Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. I sure do appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time. have a little different setup today, so hopefully it still sounds all right. If not, y'all let me know, and we'll figure something else out. We're going to sit on the porch. have one puppy dog. No kitty cats. No girls. Guineas in the background. Summer has returned, sadly. I've had about all of summer I want to have, I think. At any rate, we'll get going. We're going to look at a couple different farewell addresses today. If I can figure out what I did with them. First one is by Washington. Um, seventeen ninety-six. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, you know what? I always get started sometimes in Russian. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast with others and to help it to grow, thank you. I would feel remiss if I didn't tell y'all thank you each episode because it means a great deal, and it does continue to grow. Seemingly every month, shockingly. And Lord, thank you for the time and opportunity to sit and record these and the people that listen to them and the people that share them. Hopefully it helps helps us individually just a little bit and helps helps our country as a whole just a little bit turn turn back to you and off the path we've been on. All right. We'll go back to Washington, 1796. This is his farewell address. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. The mere politician equally with the pious man, ought to respect and cherish them. A volume could not trace all their connections with private and public felicity. Let it simply be asked, where is the security for property, for reputation, for life, if the sense of religious obligation deserts the oaths, which are the instruments of investigation and courts of justice? And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on the minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. It is substantially true that virtue or morality is a necessary spring of popular government. 
The rule indeed extends with more or less force to every species of free government. Who that is a sincere friend to it can look with indifference upon attempts to shake the foundation of the fabric? A lot here, folks. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism. So Washington, who has to be argued as one of our all-time greatest patriots, father of our nation, says that you can't even claim patriotism if you work to subvert religion and morality. And folks, we've talked about Washington before, his prayer journal, his faith. He's absolutely, when he's saying religion, talking about Christianity here. And he's not picking out one single denomination because that's where our founders were really heading with the First Amendment, as we've talked to. They weren't trying to lower Christianity to the level. Prostrating it, I believe, is the word that Justice Joseph Story used to the level of other religions. Because they didn't consider all religions equal. They knew that that wasn't true. It's not true. They knew that Christianity was the only true faith. They knew that you had to be able to worship as you saw fit, which might include rejecting God which might in, in, include embracing a completely different false faith. But they knew for this country to succeed and the way they set it up, that that meant the First Amendment, the way they wrote the First Amendment. When you go back and you listen to Fisher Ames, who gave the final wording of the First Amendment and worked on the Bill of Rights, what they were doing was trying to keep the different denominations from Favoritism or fighting. Keep the Methodists from fighting against the Baptists, the Baptists against the Church of Christ to use modern vernacular to keep, you know, back then the Congregationalists, the Lutherans, Roman Catholics. We've gone through a list before, but that was the point. And so Washington, going back to this, he's saying you, you can't even claim to be a patriot if you're working to subvert morality and religion, Christianity. You might want to think about that. We might want to think about that today when we look at our fellow citizens, our friends, our family, our neighbors, acquaintances down the street fellow members of the church, when they come in and claim to support America with the church, it's really worse than that. I think in a little while we'll do a podcast on this today. And the church, it's, it's even worse. It's claimed to follow the principles of Christ. And instead, but they, they give their time and money and effort to supporting evil values that go directly against the teachings of Christ that hurt the little child, the least of these, that hurt the widow and the orphan, the poor and the needy. And when you go down that list of core values of the left, every single one of them does that, folks. You can see the illegal immigration and the 
in the news today, which we, we may come back and talk to that next couple of days. You can see the LGBTQ, the transgenderism, the homosexuality, all of that stuff pushed on children today in school, the bigotry, the racism via critical race theory and identity politics, revisionist history that's blatantly untrue, the 1619, I think, project or something like that. I forget the numbers right now because they're not true. Uh, feminism, oh Lord, that one in and of itself done so much damage. It's hard to even wrap our head around it. Abortion, murdering 63 million of our own fellow citizens and claiming that it's a right, some kind of, <laughs> it's a birthright to murder your own child. That's There's some irony for you. And just the general principles of socialism and communism that are so supported by, by people that support the left, including our family, friends, and neighbors. When you have socialism and communism that over the last century plus have slaughtered oh, tens, tens of millions, tens of tens of millions. I like this one word in Washington's farewell address, the mere politician. I guess that's three words. I like the way he phrased that, though. The mere politician. Would that we had some politicians today, because Washington was one, that felt that, that they were just mere politicians and acknowledged the role, the duties of men and citizens and those great props, the firmest props, as Washington said, morality and religion. And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Washington knew that there was no way we could continue to be a moral people, a moral nation, if we didn't continue to follow the teachings of Christ. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education. You know, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit. No matter how great the education is, from a secular point of view, how great the fiscal policy, the financial policy, if it's not based on the teachings of Christ, it's failing. You've had a number of founders that talked about that. Noah Webster, Obstamine, others. And so Washington here is saying, you know, no matter how refined education how great that influence is. Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that nationally, talking about the country as a whole, folks, morality can prevail and exclusion of religious principle. And yet that's exactly what we've done over the last 80 years. We kicked God out. And we said, we don't need you anymore. We can be a great nation without religion, without faith in you, Father, without the teachings of Jesus Christ. And we'll still be a moral people. 
we'll still be a strong moral people. And, and Washington here from the very beginning told us that's not true. You know, you have that argument a lot today. You hear it in certain corners. I don't need, I don't need religion in order to be a moral person. I can be a moral person. I know what's right and wrong. And of course, the question is always, okay, well, where, where did you get that? Well, my parents taught me. Where did they get? Well, their their parents taught them. But at some point, folks, you've got to get. Okay, well, that that's great, but somewhere along the line, you have to go to the source of right and wrong. And if you don't, if you don't go to that source, then what you think is right and wrong changes because you have a, sh a changing frame of reference, right? If, if you leave what's right and wrong up to you, this is a great, a really twisted part, one of the many twisted parts of the left ideology. And well, everybody's right from their own point of view. Well, that's impossible. You know, you have a, school bus that drives by and one person says well it's yellow and another person said no no it's it's purple and i'm not trying to get down to the semantics of the nuts and bolts or certain paint lines but you know they can't both be right school bus is either yellow or it's purple or whatever else you know it, it can't be both or they, they can both be wrong but they can't both be right and that's probably a poor analogy i should have used something else but you get the idea, the, the idea that everybody's right from their own point of view is complete. It, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense to even the smallest child. There is a right and a wrong. I should say it doesn't make sense to the smallest child unless we teach them that it does. And then the last little bit. Who that is a sincere friend to free government? And look with indifference upon attempts to shake the foundation of the fabric. And perhaps those of us that have been indifferent to the evil values of the left in our community, in our families, perhaps we're the worst. Worse than, than people that have openly supported and voted for the left. Because we've been lukewarm. We've been indifferent. We've pretended that those evil values, that we can sustain our national morality, as Washington put it, that we can maintain being a great nation, despite that evil pushed in all of our institutions, education of our children, our culture. It's just not true. And, and we're starting to reap the rewards for that. And, I just saw a little clip. This was in the last 24, 48 hours about Disney, right? That was really founded as kids' entertainment and really used to be pretty wholesome in a lot of ways. You go back to a lot of the earliest films, there's, there's some pretty... I was thinking of Sleeping Beauty, I think. Some pretty blatant references to good and evil, God and the devil. And now they've got an initiative, I forget who they're partnering with, partnering with, to support abortion, support slaughtering children, the very children that they're supposed to be entertaining. You know, that's kind of, you figure that that would be bad business for a company based in children's entertainment to support killing children. 
but I guess today it's not. Let me see if I've got time, folks. I wanted to read one little blip from Reagan's farewell address, if I can find it. This was toward the very end. We'll just we'll just read however much we have. We've gone through this before, but it felt fitting. Finally, there is a great tradition of warnings and presidential farewells, and I've got one that's been on my mind for some time. But oddly enough, it starts with one of the things I've proudest of in the past eight years, the resurgence of national pride that I call the new patriotism. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much, and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? Those of us who are over 35 or so years of age grew up in a different America. We were taught very directly what it means to be an American, and we absorbed almost in the air a love of country and an appreciation of its institutions. If you didn't get those things from your family, you got them from the neighborhood, from the father down the street who fought in Korea, or the family who lost someone at Anzio. Or you could get a sense of patriotism from school. And if all else failed, you could get a sense of patriotism from the popular culture. The movies celebrated democratic values and implicitly reinforced the idea that America was special. TV was like that too, through the mid 60s. But now we're about to enter the 90s and some things have changed. Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. And as for those who create the popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't reinstitutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise. And freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs protection. So we've got to teach history based on what's not what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here. Who Jimmy Doolittle was and what those 30 seconds over Togio meant. You know, four years ago on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, I read a letter from a young woman writing to her late father who'd fought on Omaha Beach. Her name was Lisa Zanetta Hen, and she said, We will always remember. We will never forget what the boys of Normandy did. Well, let's help her keep her word. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of the American memory that could result, ultimately, in an erosion of the American spirit. Let's start with some basics. More attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civic ritual. And he goes on at the end, folks, to talk about how often he used the quote, the shining city on the hill. I really wanted to get to that. But, you know, folks, if we want to be that shining city on the hill, which came from John Winthrop, we have to, if we want to be a place of freedom, a country of freedom. We have to promote the principles of Christ in our own lives, in our nations, in our schools, and across the world. 
That's it. There's, there's no other way to do it. There is no secular version that gets the job done. It falls apart. It, it ends in disaster every time. The spirit of freedom of liberty, the spirit of the Lord is wherever freedom and liberty are. And we've known that for a long time until recently. And we've got to get back to that. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.